0: The Cinema Limbo Podcast is part of Podnos, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com You can also follow us on Twitter via at podnose or send us
1: an email via admin at podnose.com.
0: are a comfort to us all. Tales of heroes vanquishing the wicked have kept us warm since time immemorial. But there is a reason why these are only stories, and why one should never meet one's heroes. My name is Jeremy Phillips, writer, critic, and animated cat, and you're listening to Cinema Limbo. This seminar is to examine Last Action Hero, the 1993 action satire starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. My guest is Chris Arnsby for whom danger holds no surprises. Hello Chris. Hello. Um, now, what can you tell me about Arnold Schwarzenegger?
1: He's Austrian. He's built like a brick outhouse. Um, he was governor of California. I feel I'm dancing around the point you're trying to make.
0: <laughs> well, um, ob- it's uh, obviously a fairly easy question. But um, how well do you recall in the 80s when he was the king of all action films and that he seemed to be absolutely
1: untouchable and unstoppable? Not as well as you might think. It it is kind of odd. Um, I remember seeing Terminator, but that would have been on video years after it came out. And I remember being aware of the various films, but I don't think I ever really sat down and watched anything until t- uh, until maybe Terminator 2, actually, was, was the first time I remember going to the cinema to see one of his films.
0: Right. Well, I'd seen a few of his films on video during the 80s. Running Man was the first 18-rated film I ever saw. Okay, how well, old were you? I was eight. <laughs> nice so I watched it with my parents, because they obviously they thought it would be fine. Um... But by the early 90s and with Terminator 2, he was the biggest mm-hmm. star in the world. Um, nothing he could do could seemingly damage his brand. So obviously, the thing he's going to do is do something a bit riskier. Yes. And having done comedy before, with great success with, in Twins, mm. oh, yes, which still sounds like it was a really genuinely funny film, he decided to do this, this script that had been kicking around called Last Action Hero. And the movie has quite a weird background to it. It was written as a film school exercise oh. by Zach Penn and Adam Leff. It became a very hot property. It was bought up, rewritten by Shane Black, mm. who is the writer who it was spoofing in the first place because he wrote the Lethal Weapon movies, he was the big action filmmaker, and then directed by John McTiernan, who directed Die Hard. So it was poachers turned gamekeepers rather than... Uh, handing it off to someone like Robert Zemeckis, who was apparently touted for the, for the directing job.
1: I could have seen that making more sense.
0: Exactly, because he has that comic sensibility and also an experience with big-budget productions. But mm. instead, it's John McTiernan and his famously
1: light touch. Yes. I or mean, should I say light-fingered touch? I, 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 <laughs> sounds like there's some history there of which I'm not aware. Oh, he went to jail. Did he? Not, yeah. what? <laughs> Illegal wiretapping. Illegal wiretapping. Wow, I'm going to have to do some serious uh, research on this. That's why internet. he
0: doesn't make movies anymore, because he got caught uh, being involved in illegally wiretapping his producers. Wow.
1: Um, th- th- that's my Saturday evening sorted. Like, there's <laughs> obviously a story here which sounds fascinating. I gen- didn't know that. I just assumed he didn't make films anymore because nobody liked last action. here. <laughs>
0: no, he carried on uh, making a few more movies after this. Oh. Um, but um, he never had any more major hits. Right. Um... The remake of Rollerball,
1: I didn't see a, it. a
0: thriller called Basic with John Travolta, and that was the, the production that turned into the, the the court case of the same name. Ah, oh, okay. Um, I managed to get hold of the original script. Okay, which is very strange. The yeah. last third turns into what I am led to believe the most recent season of Twin Peaks was like. Okay. and that it just becomes almost freeform bizarre.
1: I can kind of see, And not funny. E, well, is it... Is not the, deliberately funny. <laughs> is the original draft meant to be... Is the original draft sort of that thing of pointing at cliches of Hollywood films and poking fun at them? Or is it slightly less it, it, affectionate? It's,
0: it's sort of oddly in the middle ground. It, it follows the same rough beats of the first two-thirds of the finished wow. movie. Although there are kind of differences here and there, it sort of looks in different directions. But you can see, oh yeah, this is the same thing, just to kind of move things around a bit. Mm. But then towards the end, um, Danny the kid starts using a gun, while the Arnold Schwarzenegger character becomes more and more reluctant to use violence. Okay. But whenever Danny shoots people, he suddenly starts to physically glow, and. The guns seem much more powerful when he's using them. So people just uh, explode in a in a cloud of guts, Right. Or blasted 50 feet into the air. And also the projectionist is just this weird demon character <laughs> who um, apparently has some kind of plan which is never explained. And at the end of the film, Danny escapes back into the real world. The whole movie takes place inside the movie. Yeah. Daniel escapes back into the real world at the end and the cinema catches fire and the projection sits in the middle of it all as if he's the devil maybe?
1: I can kind of see it working a bit more as a kind of Tales from the Crypt, sort of Twilight is only kind of ironic yeah. ooh, you got what you wanted but in a way you didn't expect I can kind of see it working as that kind of story I and, think that's possibly what they had in mind Yeah, I think, I think one of the problems I had with Last Action Hero, was there was a mismatch in tone, um, and I didn't warm to the character of the cinematographer, the projectionist at all, particularly.
0: Well, they really—I mean, he's supposed to be a kind of lovable, old-fashioned. I know,
1: yeah, 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 but there's this weird air of sentiment. <sighs> he's very sentimental about the good old days. Yes, but at the same time. But his business is falling apart around his ears and he either doesn't care or doesn't appear to notice. And there's this whole weird mismatch between the fact that they uh, the the last action was is pointing at the... Great, I've forgotten the name. John, what's the, the, the detective name there? The character. The character. Jack Slater. Jack Slater, that was it, yeah. Jack Slater For They're pointing at him, sort of going, look, this is a terrible film. But at the same time, there doesn't seem to be any everyone 's reacting as if it was a, as if it was a film along the lines of sort of Terminator Two or something, and yeah
0: it 's supposed to be the big new blockbuster
1: and it just and then you, as you say then on top of that you 've got this projectionist that that idolizes the olden days, and maybe i 've just had sat through too many safeguarding lectures in my time, but the moment he started saying, "Oh, if you come back here at midnight i 'll give you a special treat i 'm just thinking this is just."
0: But that's, this is just terrible. That, yeah, but it's exactly the same as Back to the Future. I Marty, meet me at this abandoned parking lot at one in the morning.
1: You know, I, got, <laughs> I suppose the difference is I really like Back to the Future. I, I think I've never, within the opening minutes of a film, I don't think I have found myself so out of sympathy with it as I did your <laughs> last action hero. <laughs> um. Yeah.
0: Well, just be glad you didn't read the original script. That yeah, this that, is true. Well, that just goes crazy.
1: It sounds. It sounds interesting and I can see why it would have caught people's attention. Mm. But... The
0: the finished version mm. makes more sense as a story.
1: Yes. And, it... because,
0: and, the other, and the other major element, of course, is the third act of the finished film switches to the real world. Yes. So you have Jack Slater running around in the real world not understanding why he's suddenly picking up injuries and why playing chicken doesn't work. Mm. And, in the, and the original script... He doesn't arrive in the real world until the very end of the film. Right. he escapes from the movie as well, and he throws his gun away and walks off into the real world so he can have a real life.
1: okay. Interesting.
0: Whereas in the finished film, he goes back into the movie, but is now much more aware of his own environment, yes. and aware that he can break out of the limitations of the film that he's in.
1: Yeah, you see, it sounds to me like the, the original draft is much more of a commentary on cinema violence. Yes. Whereas one of the problems, again, I potentially have with, with The Last Action Hero is it tries to have its cake and eat it. It tries to point and look at, look at these violent films, they're so violent. Isn't it
0: great? But it's, it, also, it is also being a lot more cartoonish.
1: Yes, well, yes, literally, in a couple of cases. Well, exactly. <laughs> I
0: mean, well, there are, there are elements that um, sort of transition nicely so that in the original script there's a scene where they go, to the, they go up to the um, police precinct, and they do describe it as being very like the way it is in the finished movie. It's this huge open area like the Beverly Centre. It looks like a shopping mall. Mm. And Danny says, well, this is not what any police station in the world looks like. And you have all the detectives being teamed together, deliberately mismatched them. So there's a black guy and a white yes, guy. Yeah. An older guy and a younger guy. A man and a woman. And the movie pushes that further by having a human detective partnered with a cartoon cat. Yes. <laughs> because... That's obviously for the uh, the children's spin off.
1: I, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was just one of those moments when I, I, I can't. I just. There, there, frequently, there were times I wasn't sure what point the film was trying to make. And the cartoon cat, particularly as later on in the film, it comes back for one of the laziest resolutions to a plot problem I think I've ever seen in a professional film. <laughs> And I'm sure it's meant to be a bit of wacky, zany, JP throwaway stuff, but it just feels lazy. And the problem is, as well, it doesn't come that long after they've pointed out lazy plotting in films and lazy characterization. So it just, again, it's just one of these frustrating moments when it feels like the scriptwriters are trying to have their cake and eat it. Mm.
0: The other thing that's interesting um, is that the movie starts with the end of Jack Slater 3 mm. that Danny's watching... Well, he's supposed to be at school. And it's clearly a really dark, violent movie because Jack's son has been kidnapped by a crazy serial killer who's got a special yeah. axe. And it ends with the serial killer being thrown off the roof but grabbing onto his son and pulling Jack's son to his death. Yes. Think, wow, that's a very bleak way to end the movie. And then Jack Slater four is really upbeat and bright and very silly. Mm. Um, and you think... All oh, right, this is like James Bond in reverse. So it's as if they've gone from On Her Majesty's Secret Service to Moonraker.
1: Kind of, yes, kind of. Or, or yeah, because maybe the
0: last movie didn't do very well. Thought right, we need to make it more upbeat. We need to make it more family friendly.
1: And that's one of the moments when it's a slightly more interesting commentary on the way that that films do evolve. And yes, you go well. Okay, number three. Let's let the bad guy. Where you can actually see that being something that would happen in a genuine. A series of movies, particularly as the star gets more influence and decides that they want more opportunities to emote, or play Hamlet, for example.
0: Oh yeah, well that's great, isn't it?
1: That was weird. I didn't realise that Last Action Hero came out in '93. I think partly because yes. I was all about Jurassic Park in Well, like so it. was everyone, that's what yeah. the movie <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I do remember, literally the only memory I've got of this is a couple of stories in newspapers with sneering references to, oh, well, in the next film, Arnold Schwarzenegger's going to play Hamlet in a monologue. And it was very, very weird. Who'd have thought it? The newspapers reported the scene out of context so that they could point it. imagine that. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that that print media could stoop so well? But that, and that was literally it. I think that was about the only time when the movie, when the film was actually out in the cinemas that it kind of Entered my awareness was was for this throwaway story about though Arnold Schwarzenegger's gone crazy, he's decided to play Hamlet, and yeah, obviously that's not not even remotely the intent of the scene.
0: No, because it's Danny uh, watching Olivier's mm. Hamlet at school. His teacher, of course.
1: I didn't recognise Joan
0: Clowright Lord Olivier's widow
1: oh boy in that case I apologise to the estate of Joan Clowright she's still around oh in that case I apologise to her
0: Um, but in in Danny's Daydreaming yeah Laurence Olivier is replaced with Arnold Schwarzenegger and says ah to be or not to be, Claudius boom blows him away and that kind of Silliness. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or like with an exploding skull of Yorick that throws at um, the ghost.
1: And that's actually, and that bit, it's funny, that bit plays a lot better. The, the, the one bit of the film that I was aware of in advance going in that I thought was going to be rubbish turns out to be one of the bits that plays a lot better than I expected it to.
0: That's, the I think, the kind of thing that you would get in a Robert Zemeckis film. It doesn't mm. feel like this, you'd see this in a film by the director of Die Hard and The Hunt for Red October. No, that's true. And it's definitely, I think, a more Shane Black thing, mm. because in the last few years, Shane Black's kind of rehabilitated himself as a writer-director who's very strong on dialogue and character, mm. but really likes doing action stuff. So he has Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang and Iron Man 3. Iron Man is pr- one of the best Marvel films because it's really interested in the characters. Mm. And now he's doing a reboot of Predator.
1: Okay. Interesting. Which... Am I right in thinking that was also joined by John McTiernan or Oh yes, it... it was. Yeah, so we've come full circle.
0: Yeah, except John McTiernan isn't working at all. Yes, well, <laughs> he's probably busy with his wine yard. Yeah, something like that. I don't have those these days.
1: Uh, yeah, well, it's, uh, sorry, I was about to go off on a tangent about Tom Selleck growing avocados, but this is. Oh yeah, stealing
0: my... people's water.
1: Um, I know. I mean, honestly,
0: <laughs> so to um, irrigate his moustache, I imagine. <laughs> the. Um... Jack Slater 4, it does adhere to a lot of clichés of action movies. It's mm. got the angry black chief. In the original script, it turns out that he's actually working with the villain to betray Jack. Okay. Because he's so fed up with him always breaking the rules, always smashing everything. yeah, um, Destroying the budget of the police department. But here it's just that... Yeah, he's just—that's the way he expresses affection for people by screaming
1: at them. <laughs> yes, well, that's it, and that's you know, again, it's 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 part of the whole thing of of pointing at the cliches of of the film and uh, and. And he's having... constantly
0: referring to his bottom. Yes, but always using very florid euphemisms so that you don't break into an R rating.
1: No, that's right.
0: And that's that's a running joke in the original script as well. That was like, Oh my. Chocolate keister or whatever Hershey Highway, oh, up at yeah. one point I mean, because uh, I had the subtitles turned they're, on. They're really some of them are really horrible. <laughs> I'm
1: sure they probably are.
0: The Chocolate Speedway is another one I've heard of before. But Danny, who is the the kid and the fan of the Jack Slater movies, he's got a horrible life.
1: Yeah, and again, this I think is part of me really getting out very, very out of sympathy with the film quite early on. Because it's laden on in such a... So his, his dad's dead. He's got a mum that appears to work all night. Um, and she's phoning the school and lying to cover for him playing Truant. I just I just really... Maybe I, I th- may have been hungover when I watched this, but I was just in such a bad mood. And all this stuff that I should have found charming, all the stuff that's meant to put you on the side of the protagonist just really wound me up. (laughs) And I'm sitting there watching the mum and and, and going, you know, you are a terrible parent. Your kid isn't in school. You're not taking any responsibility for the fact that he's bunking off. In fact, you're covering for him. And you're allowing him to just go out and, I don't know, as I say, I just, it it may be me. It may not have been the film, it may have been me.
0: (laughs) But uh, when he's left alone at night...
1: He has a horrible experience.
0: A burglar breaks in, but then leaves because they don't have anything that's worth stealing.
1: Yes, but that's followed. That that's a whole sequence where uh, the, the the kid's threatened with a knife. He's handcuffed in the bathroom. It's just, and then the police come and the police take him down to the police station, and he's left to go home by himself. Yeah, it's just. And again, apparently his his lazy mum can't be bothered to leave whatever job she's doing and make sure that her only son is... Maybe she
0: can't leave. Maybe she can't leave without being fired.
1: Well, I know, yeah. Um, But actually, having said all that, that's one of the bits of the film that's got some genuinely clever plotting in it. Because, of course, he's handcuffed to the pipe, he has to recover the key which he sticks in his pocket... And later on in the film, he uses the same key to get himself out of an identical situation. And that's actually a really a really clever example of setting up the solution to a problem in advance. And it doesn't look
0: like that. No. At all. It's, it's quite neat, hmm. I think.
1: And that's what... I think that's... And this is, goes back to what I was saying. What frustrates me about this film more than anything is it's just all over the place. Bits of it are really quite clever and bits of it are, are good. And other bits just absolutely taxed my patience.
0: Well, um, Danny goes to the, uh, the screening that the old projectionist has put on mm. as, a, as a, a check run for the, the new film. And um, they have some gag credits at the beginning which are name-checking people that Arnold Schwarzenegger knows. Like the director of the film, Franco Colombo, is an old friend of Arnold Schwarzenegger's from his bodybuilding days. Oh, right, OK, so yeah, I a, didn't. A, just a little in-joke for, uh, for his pal. And um, there's a scene of uh, Mafia conspiring where you have the the villain of the movie, Antonio Vivaldi, who's played by Anthony Quinn,
1: right.
0: and his henchman, Mr. Benedict, played by Charles Dance, even though the script specified that he should be played by Alan Rickman. Oh, OK. <laughs> because, of course, it's, it should be Alan Rickman. Yes, yeah.
1: Um,
0: and Jack's introduced driving his huge convertible over the brow of a hill, and... That's also the final shot of the film, is the yes, it is, isn't it? Of course it is, away. yeah, yeah. And apparently, apparently he's he's responding to a uh, alert. Someone's called in about. I Wrote this down. Sixty guys dancing on the lawn, throwing cocaine at each other. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out to be his second cousin's house, mm. and um, it gets blown up by the villains. Because by that, by the fourth movie in the series. He's run out of yes, close run, friends
1: yeah. and relatives. Yeah, so you're starting to yeah, that's it. And this is where mm. it, it again. It, I I started to feel that the comedy was just getting a bit. It would have worked better if this had <laughs> been a. This is where I started to feel that the film would have worked better if it had been um, a police squad style parody. Oh, I, okay. Because I kept working with the, the, the 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 parody elements of the film undermine its attempts to seem like a good action film. I think that's the nearest I can get to explaining why it, it bothered me so much. And I just felt that there was this constant sense that the two things, the desire to be an action film and the desire to be a comedy film, they, they never really meshed for me. It's the director. Yeah, I, quite I possibly. Problem, because
0: Shane Black, can he can walk that tightrope, or at least in more recent times he's been able to do that. Mm. But you need a director who has... A comic sense.
1: Something like Deadpool works. I don't think Deadpool's necessary. Yeah, you know.
0: Um, And it's because that's the first thing Tim Miller's ever directed. Oh, right. And weirdly, what's the next one that Tim Miller's making? Deadpool 2. Terminator 6.
1: What? I thought Terminator 5 stiffed the book. Yeah, Uh, but it it did very well in China. Oh, great.
0: I actually like Terminator Genesis.
1: I thought it was really good. I can't. I've definitely seen it. I remember not blinking when Matt Smith was on screen, so I saw his cameo.
0: Well, he's in it later on as well.
1: Oh, I must have blinked during that sequence. Um, But ah, it's fine. I don't remember anything about it. It's the
0: only Terminator film with a happy ending. It's Everyone survives at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, it just it doesn't seem to have... I've got I seem to remember Terminator three more than Terminator Genesis. Terminator
0: three has a really good ending. Yeah. It but the might rest of it's it is quite forgettable. Yeah. Do you ever, how much do you have of Terminator
1: Four? Uh, He's
0: looking worried listen. Oh hang
1: on, Terminator 4's the one in the future, isn't yeah. it? That's the one where It's the
0: one without any time travel in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the one where Christian Bale and Sam Worthington swap roles part way through. It's, and then the film was completely rewritten to accommodate that. It's
1: the one where Christian Bale shouts at a lighting technician, isn't it?
0: You're a nice guy!
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: I'm walking through the shot. Uh, da 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 It's the angriest singing I've ever heard. Mm. It's very funny. <laughs> Adam Buxton turned that into a jingle for his... Really? Which is really good. Oh, wow. But um, Danny gets sucked into the movie in the middle mm. of a car chase. Um, and at one, po- <laughs> one point, Slater manages to stab someone in the eye with an ice cream cone. And he says, "Ah, ice that guy to co- oh, a to code a phrase." I thought, right, okay, it's that kind of film. Yes, yeah. And um, they play chicken, and mm. Jack wins because Jack always wins. At, when they arrive at the, um, what's I written here? Oh, it's the um, the police depo- the police precinct has a valet. Yes, it has I, valet parking. Yeah. And there are very brief cameos of Robert Patrick and Sharon Stone. Yeah,
1: missed them, but I did gradually become aware that, that people were being sort of... I think more in the premiere sequence towards the end was yeah. the point when I started to realise. But yeah. Robert
0: Patrick just walking right past, but doing his Terminator walk. Hmm. Sharon Stone in costume as a character from Basic Instinct, who the kid recognises, he really shouldn't have seen
1: Basic no. Instinct. <laughs> That's the American rating system for you, though, isn't it? Where apparently it's OK for kids to go into any film as long as they've got a parent with them.
0: Yeah, his parents aren't very responsible. No. I mean, one of them's dead. Well, that's exactly... I mean, yeah. We're introduced to Slater's old colleague, John Practice.
1: Oh, yes, he's yeah. He's
0: played by F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> and the kid says, no, don't trust him. He killed
1: Mozart. <laughs>
0: so he's seen Amadeus as well. He's got I a good he... cultural
1: knowledge. Yeah, I suppose that's true. And I, 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 kind of an odd... Because when was that? Amadeus was what, mid-80s? 84. 84. And many years, this, uh, is, Yeah, it just... I don't know, I suppose it, depending on who they'd cast, they would have back referenced something. I just like the idea of them going back through F. Murray Abraham's credits, going, oh look, we're It's going- the
0: only thing he's done that people have actually remembered. Yeah, this is um, true. I mean, think of another F. Murray Abraham film.
1: Oh, uh, isn't he in one of the lousy Star Trek films?
0: Oh, he is, actually. <laughs> yes, he's in Insurrection. Yeah. Um, he was in Bonfire of the Vanities... Didn't and he had the good my... sense. He had the good sense to take his name off the credits. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, okay. But um, and he's in homeland now.
1: Okay. Yeah. Not.
0: He's he's um, he's very good at that. Hmm. But then that's uh, that is sort of a nice response. That's set up for a, a little um, gag later on, where it turns out practice is actually working with the mafia against hmm. the Slater. And it's... oh, I know. if you're a trustee, you killed Mozart.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And it. I mean, it, it, again, that that's. Bounce... One of the film's more successful uh, moments of pointing at the cliches of action films where you're introduced to an old buddy who turns out to be rotten.
0: And he's an old buddy who presumably wasn't in any of the previous films. No, this is true, yes. Um, And later still, Jack actually hears Mozart for the first mm. time and is utterly beguiled by it. So this is is Mozart. Mm. Wow. Austrian, of course.
1: Well, yes, yeah. But, But living in a living in a world where presumably the only music you hear is rock music. It's yeah. Guns and Roses, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Even though the villain of the movie is called Vivaldi.
1: Well, yes, that's true. Yeah.
0: See, what well, I've re- I've got some notes here, but I have absolutely no idea what these refer to. Burning Marked Bills, Screaming
1: Fight. <laughs> well, the Burning Marked Bills is when um, the baddies turn up at Arnold Schwarzenegger's ex-wife's house and... Um, They've, he's got the counterfeit currency lying around, and he says he makes some throwaway comment about when you burn it, it uh, it creates it creates funny colour smoke. And then there's obviously that's that whole sequence where he goes off again in in a in a moment. I can't decide whether it's a character a genuine character moment or just a lazy piece of plotting because they need to get Jack Slater out of the way so that the baddies can turn up and terrify the kid and Jack Slater's daughter. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the kid tricks... It. The, the the burning money reference is that they throw the money on the fire and it creates the red smoke and that's what alerts Jack Slater to the fact that there's something funny going on in his house. And his daughter goes out the back and is pretending to scream and is doing this, Aah! you know, it, she's, she's pretending to scream while she beats up the... Um, oh, beats up the villain. Beats up the villain because she's, because she's Jack Slater's daughter. Because
0: she's set up as being... Um... A bit of a California airhead type, but yes. actually is obsessed with guns and firearms and violence.
1: There's quite a nice line where, and I can't remember when Jack Slater makes it, but he, he worries about the fact that his daughter's going to die a young maid. <laughs> so no, it's a, but die an old
0: maid, and that she's she's never going to have anyone in her. I wife. thought
1: I thought it was yeah. I thought that was the point was that it was she was going to die a young maid oh, because no. she's going to be presumably be shot to death as a cop or something. But uh, yeah, he.
0: Um, I mean, there, there were a couple of other things that I liked in the meantime, which is like they go to a video store, he tries to prove that this is a movie, mm. and they find that Terminator 2 starred Sylvester Stallone, and that the, um, they point out that the, the cloak behind the counter is a beautiful woman. So mm. really a beautiful woman like that working in a video store Of course, this is California.
1: Yes, yeah. No, there are, and, and, and everyone's got a 555 area code phone number.
0: Yeah. And they go to the... He um, says, oh, I can, I can take you to where the drug dealers were. Oh. They just go straight to Vivaldi's house. Yes. And he uh, says, hello, I'm Arnold Braunschweiger. Could you take me to the drug dealer of the house, please? And um, Benedict frightens them off. There's all that bottled-up pain that Slater has, mm. that he's scared about his daughter's future. He's still traumatised by his son's death, but he can't talk about it because the format of the movie yes. he's in doesn't, doesn't let him express that. Yeah. And we eventually see that that's, that's the daughter's house that's in her his ex-wife's name, yeah. I think. Yes. And we go to Jack's real home, and it's this bare, empty apartment with a window that opens directly onto the freeway. And he just suddenly starts shooting into the wardrobe, and a dead body falls out, because there's always some guy waiting in there to kill him. And you think, God, this guy's life is horrible. It's just empty and dead, and all he's got is violence.
1: Yeah, I suppose in a, in a way... Yeah. It it reminds me a little bit as well. Have you read any of the Thursday Next books by Jasper Ford? No, but I know someone who has. Okay. Oh, <laughs> apart from you obviously. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. I mean, it it reminds me a little bit of those, but I suppose the the key difference between this and the Thursday Next books is that the characters in the books already know their characters in the books and there's a whole plot mechanism set up for what they do what they do when they're being read. Um, whereas this is more I kind of feel like this idea, it's been bugging me all day. This idea of characters that know that they're characters in a drama feels like it must be a fairly common trope. I can't think, I'm really struggling to think of other films where that's happened.
0: Self-aware, fictional characters. Well, there's Pirandello. Six characters in Search for an Author, it's the play. Oh, right. So it definitely mm. precedes that. Fictional characters who are aware that they're fictional I mean, goes mean, quite a long way.
1: Dennis Potter was over, all over that kind of stuff in his time as well, wasn't he? But yeah, I'm just, I, I just keep feeling that there, there should be half a dozen films that spring to mind. But I actually, funny enough, I can't think of any.
0: Possibly because it's quite hard to do something like that and not yeah. work well, dramatically yeah. as well. Because if... Excuse me. If you have characters who are aware that they're in an artificial environment and that they are themselves artificial creations. It's quite difficult to generate drama out yeah, of that. The, yeah,
1: the film would just be 90 minutes of them sitting in a corner sobbing, presumably. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Whereas in this case, uh, Slater isn't aware that he's fictional, no. but he is aware that he is in a very confined mm. um, space in terms of what he is able to say and do because yeah. of what is expected of him. It's almost like it's a comment on masculinity as well. Because he's the big, hulking Arnold Schwarzenegger guy, he can't be sensitive. Mm. He can't express grief over his son's death or fear for his surviving child. And the whole running gag about getting angry phone calls from his ex-wife all the time, his ex-wife doesn't care about him. She's moved on with her life. Mm. He's paying a drugstore clerk to ring him up and do that just for the sake of appearances, with the people at the precinct
1: yeah and this again this is where i don't know i don't know if this is this feels to me like the moments when the rea- the reality i'm sorry i'm making air quotes as i say <laughs> reality um the reality of the film starts to break down because if jack slater was a character in that kind of film he wouldn't would that kind of character care about what his ex- colleagues thought about his relationship with her? As a say, I'm probably just overthinking it.
0: I think it's quite easy to poke holes in this sort of thing, yeah. because and, uh, this kind of environment is never completely foolproof. Yeah. But it's the idea that the cliché is, oh, the ex-wife is always angry, blah, blah, blah. Yes. but what would actually happen? Well, the ex-wife probably just, wouldn't care. Yeah. So how do, how do you connect the two? Um, Benedict gets hold of the half of the magic ticket and then his hand passes through the wall as the TV in the background plays the Twilight Zone. So it's almost like now the film is commenting within itself on its own fictionalness.
1: Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Again, apologies. I, I think you like this film considerably more than I did. Yeah, I think <laughs> like this film. And I I feel a bit and I'm I'm sort of trying not to just go it was awful because it it wasn't. There were I I kinda waxed and waned as it as it went on, but the I thought it was definitely too long and there was definitely a point where I realised that you were gonna have to go through the whole thing of watching them wrap up the Jack Slater plot first before they went back to the real world unwrapped. And it feels like two movies kind of crammed together. Um And certainly the point, again, obviously somewhere along the line I've, I've picked up something, because I knew that the characters from the film go into the real world. Um, and when he didn't go into the real world at that point, that was that thing of going, oh, this is going to take ages to resolve now, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think they could have cut that down a little.
0: Um, and the whole thing about the, um, as you say, the, the, the plot of Jack Slater 4 with the Mafia... Hmm.
1: I kind of don't care it's not not
0: really relevant I mean you can have that going on in the background because that's supposed to be the the main plot Yeah. but that's not But our our viewpoint character is Danny Mm. who's a complete alien to this environment so you can have him going on with all of that and say oh yeah and they're going to put a bomb full of gas in this guy's stomach and it's activated by pulling on his finger Mm. because he was known as Leo the Fart and because this is is Moonraker (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you like Moonray all the I know, <laughs> and that's so it's payback time, isn't it? But I, I suppose what I guess that's my feeling is that I kind of begrudged having to watch Jack Slater 4. As you say, that could be kinda of, you could shuffle that off in the background a little bit, but I felt like I was being forced to sit through an entire film that I didn't particularly care about within the rest of the film. And Slater Four not a particularly good film. The, the characters are paper thin, and the <laughs> motivations are suspect. Well, exactly. Um, and so it's that thing of why why are you asking me to watch a bad film? And I just wish they had sped through the as you say maybe the plot could, that maybe that bit of the film could have Ultimately, Jack Slater Four is um, it's like a less good version of McBain from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, you know McBain really nailed that kind of and didn't w- without sending it up a lot of the time but really did just nail that kind of cliche of the the all action hero and I think that's as I say it certainly started to try my patience a bit and yeah I think it was just having to sit through the plot of a film I didn't particularly want to see in order to see the rest of the film yeah.
0: but um Jack and Danny confront Benedict. Benedict has actually realized mm. that he can take over and he actually kills Vivaldi. And in a fight with, with Jack he gets thrown through a wall and vanishes. Jack says, Normally they leave a hole in that house. Yes. And I
1: quite like and I don't know as well whether it's difficult without no you know. Within the context of Jack Slater 4, would Benedict have always betrayed his boss? Or is this the characters going off in unexpected?
0: Because the introducing the ticket is yes. that random element yeah. that's now pushed it off the rails. Yeah, um,
1: There's no way. To, there's literally no way to know, unfortunately. But.
0: Well, Benedict's a much more interesting character yes. than Vivaldi. Valdi is a clichéd mafia godfather type.
1: It does strike you that if you were watching a film like that, they might have Benedict off the guy he's working for anyway because as you say he's he's just a more interesting character yeah and
0: i mean looking at it as if it's a real movie who who would work better as the villain anthony anthony quinn or alan rickman oh yeah absolutely or charles dance who is terrific yes yeah. and finds he knows exactly how to play everything it's it's genuinely menacing but always with that little edge of humor
1: I think he's definitely, he's, he's, he's the saving grace of the film, I think. He might be the, he's definitely the best character in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it, it becomes infinitely more watchable when he's on screen.
0: When he's running around in um, New York, mm. and he's realising how awful it is, like he's, um, I can't remember what the the content is, but he starts talking to a prostitute, and he says, wait a minute, how old are you? Mm. And he's genuinely shocked. Yes, child prostitutes in the street? What? What? Surely surely that's a bit much. And he's the bad guy in an action movie. Yeah. And then he, he walks, walks up to the petrol station tenant and says, can you help me with an experiment? Shoots him in the face. I just killed someone and I did it on purpose. Shut up, there's people doing a sleep around here. And he realises that, all yes. oh, right, the bad guys can win here and I've got a ticket that can take every movie villain ever into the real world.
1: And that's... I can't help regretting the fact that we didn't see that film. We didn't see the film where Charles Dance has already been off into Dracula and Frankenstein and and has pulled all... uh, There was a point when I wondered if this film was setting itself up for an incredibly epic finale. (laughs) But obviously it doesn't... Of Hannibal Lecter versus Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that could have been... Yeah... Um could have been very, very expensive.
0: Well, we do get the actual Grim Reaper. Yes. Played by Ian McKellen.
1: Yes, that was interesting.
0: That's Again, it's really looking towards quite highbrow material. Because yeah, he yeah. climbs out of the seventh seal. Yes. Which has a, a weirdly patch showing. And I suppose it's actually
1: it's flattering that the people that made this film thought that their audience would recognise this variety of touchstones from... Se- they thought they would recognise the, se- the death from the seventh cell. They thought their audience would recognise references to Mozart. Um,
0: I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing... You know, everyone knows this. Everyone, possibly, everyone, yeah. I mean, the man on the street who has no interest in classical music will probably have heard of Mozart. Yes. They'll probably be familiar with the image of the, the, the Grim Reaper mm. playing chess, or... They'll have heard of to be or not to be. Yeah, you know it's. it's I don't just, want to be. I don't want to be too patronising or anything, but yeah. everyone has heard
1: of that. I surely. suppose so. I guess I just yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of. I, I suppose yeah, they have. They have all kind of been widely uh, and certainly stuff like the Seventh Seal has been quite widely parodied because he turns up in um, Bill and Ted's, doesn't he?
0: Oh, he's a major character. Yes, yeah. In Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah. Um, Jack and Danny follow. Benedict the real world, and they just fall slap straight into the stalls of the, the old cinema. Yes, and they have another chicken race, and Ooh. the only reason Jack wins is because his car had airbags. And that's
1: that's really well shot that sequence because it's done as a. I think it's done as quite a still camera it, angle. It's done.
0: It's done. With, it's not a still camera angle, but it is done with a single take. Mm. Um, and obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger is sort of manoeuvred out of the way, but you can't see quite how they would have done no. that because it looks like he just drove straight into another car. And it's
1: but very, very well shot as well, because it's sort of shot from so you see the car disappear off into the depths of the frame and then they kinda they hit and they and the, the, they both the, go, the rear ends both go up in yeah. the with the impact. Yeah, that's a that's a very short but very good little sequence.
0: And you should mention that there is another henchman who's been running around who is basically odd job Yes, yeah.
1: Who is killed
0: Yeah, in in that chicken, he goes goes straight through the windscreen.
1: In quite great, because there's a lot of blood on the the bonnet of the car as well. So again, it's it's kind of a weirdly graphic moment, and again, it just adds to the sense that this film's a bit all over the place. And
0: I think again, it's just trying to contrast the disconnect of the the clean, sanitised movie world, and then the grubby, nasty real world, because loads of people get shot in the movie, and there's mm. never any blood. No, that's but right. But here, one person go,
1: you know, goes head first through a windscreen,
0: there's blood everywhere, yes. his throat's been cut.
1: Yeah. But again, it just... I can't work out... I know that they, they make a joke about the film being, uh, what did they say, PG-13 in yeah, America? Yeah,
0: because they can't they can't swear.
1: Yeah, except somebody does use the S word at one point.
0: That's actually that, but you can't say fuck.
1: Oh, uh, OK, fine. Um, and the... Uh, Oh, gosh, what was it? But I, was it a 15 in the UK?
0: Last Action Hero. Yeah. I it was, imagine it, they were probably trying to get it to be a 12. Yeah. Because they just introduced the 12. 12
1: was... Jurassic Park might have been the first 12, I think. The
0: first 12 in cinemas was uh, Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, but it wasn't introduced okay. for home video until Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which was about a year later. Right,
1: okay. But yeah, I just... 12. I just... <sighs> as a sign I struggle to work out sometimes because the lead the lead character in the film is a nine year old kid and there's not many kids older than nine that are going to want to watch a film whose lead character is a nine year old kid well
0: you have to have a young kid to kind of sell the whole yes. magic of the movies thing yeah because
1: but if you're a cynical 15 or 16 well if you're a cynical 15 or 16 year old are you going to want to go and watch a film that stars a nine year old
0: in a modern context, how many people watch Stranger Things? True, I suppose. It depends, yeah. on co- it depends on the quality of the product and the context. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. You, if, need, it, you need to have a kid that young in Last Action Hero for yeah, it to work. Yeah, he could true. be a couple of years older, but beyond that, you're right, there is a certain cynicism that might creep in. And
1: it starts to get... Aw- the, the scenes with... Um, with the sister and the, him the, ki-
0: her kissing him right on the mouth. Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be a bit weird. It's gonna you you have to you that kid the kid does have to be a fairly specific age for that scene not to seem too creepy. Yeah, um,
0: and the point is that I think as well in the opening credit she's listed as introducing. Yes, and I think yeah. the idea is that she's like a swimsuit model or something, yeah. which is why she isn't that good an actress.
1: Yes, yeah. Although <laughs> interestingly enough, the 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 kid as well when the credits roll on at the end of the film is listed as introducing yeah um, i don't quite i hope nobody wanted to yeah i hope he wasn't a swimsuit model
0: jack is having an existential crisis mm. and he's out in the real world um they go and see the projectionist who sort of says yes yeah, the real world there's terrible things here politicians murderers rapists politicians he said politicians twice well they're twice as bad Butum Tish because Yeah, and as I say this and then Governor of California. So again, well, yeah, it's that's true. Yeah. Reflecting... Yes,
1: that's yeah, I'd forgotten about that. But I mean the other problem I have in the the, the, the real world sequence is that John Slater is he's like ripping car doors off. And
0: He should things that he shouldn't be able to He's do doing anymore.
1: things in the he's doing things in the real world that shouldn't work in the car and and again I'm just sitting there going, I, I can't <laughs> what's this film trying to say we know, we know Danny takes him
0: home and introduces mm. him as Arnold Braunschweiger yes a, an
1: impersonator a lookalike
0: and he and Danny's mum stay up all night talking and it's really sweet yeah that
1: was one of the better for, for all the the, the the fact that I've rubbished Danny's irresponsible mother earlier on that's quite a nice little sequence and it's one of those scenes that goes a long way to establishing that actually she does care for him
0: mm. Jack's never just been able to mm. connect emotionally with another person before because he just immediately has sex with the woman <laughs> yes. rather than just talking and having coffee and listening to music on the radio. And, mm. and he's, he's like a little boy just discovering the world. And it's really charming. Yeah, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger's a really good actor.
1: He has his moments. Um.
0: I, I mean, I'm, I mentioned earlier in the year that um, I saw the film Maggie. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, Dramatic acting debut mm. at the age of 68, or however old he is. And he's very, very good in that because he's really well cast mm. as someone who is a, a physically big, powerful type but who keeps his emotions very yeah. much locked down. So he doesn't have to emote like a Clint Eastwood role. Mm. And here it's, it's, it's that image but he's just carefully subverting it. The same with twins which was really playing up to his strengths because he just can play someone completely guileless. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's difficult because for all the stuff, for all earlier on talking about um, the way that the news stories misrepresented the Hamlet sequence, when he goes back to his crummy apartment, he then has this lengthy soliloquy in front of the window about how awful his life is. And there's all, there's an element of... If I'm if I'm being cynical, there's an element of the ego of the star going. Oh, I want a nice scene here where I get to demonstrate that I am a good actor or something. Um,
0: But it works perfectly in context.
1: Yeah, I I suppose to be fair, he plays it. He does play it. He, it's fine. He he plays it perfectly well. And yeah, it, it feels less certainly the scenes in the in the real world, feel less cynical when he's, actually trying, when he's actually connecting emotionally and things like that. Yeah. I think, all told, I did start to... Generally speaking, I did warm up to the film a little bit more when it came into the real world. Possibly just because at that point I wasn't watching a film I didn't... I wasn't watching Jack Slater 4 anymore. No, you are now watching... The Last, last Action. The well, Last yeah. Action here, a
0: totally different yeah. idea. Um, so while all this is going on, um, Benedict is concocting his plan to take mm. over the world using movie villains um, and the first person he recruits is the Ripper the villain from Jack Slater 3 mm. who's played
1: by Tom Newland don't again I've a very bad. also
0: the killer in um, Manhunter I, I, yeah um, he just is uh, but he's very good he's very good I mean he is an unusual looking okay. actor with a very deep menacing voice yes and this is the climax of the film unfolds at the premiere of Jack Slater IV, yes. where Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing another character himself, yes. who spends his time plugging his restaurant and being having to be sort of manhandled by his wife because he's such a man child.
1: And I'm not again. That's veering slightly into the territory of what's that film about the end of the world at a Hollywood party. This is the end. Which I haven't seen but I I think I've mentioned it before I took against it based purely on the concept because I now like to imagine that the film is entirely full of scenes where you know, Michael Sewer shouts at a waiter and you go, "Oh, look, Michael Sewer's not nice like you." youthful.
0: What a hilarious subversion of expectation? Exactly. Oh, and um, Emma Watson is like, like a ninja or something. Probably. And says, and says cunt or something.
1: Yeah, and somebody... that's hilarious. Yes, and somebody that's famous for being brave as a coward, or something like that. I, do, I mean, it's it's a Seth Rogen, James Franco film, so I imagine <laughs> it was conceived
0: through a haze of marijuana smoke. Well, yeah.
1: And this is the closest... To, uh, it's, it starts to tread the same kind of water at this point because it is again people make fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger through the film, nobody ever makes fun of his curious accent, so that's obviously off limits.
0: They, I think they mention at one point why does he have that? Oh, I, I missed that bit, and then. it just goes unremarked upon. Yeah, in real life, um, he has actually had um, uh, vocal coaching. Because he was losing his accent, because he's lived in America for so long, oh, with okay. no with no other hmm. natural Aust- uh, German speakers, that he was starting to adopt slight Americanisms in his uh, in his accent, and he had this coaching to retain it. Wow, okay. Again, concerned about his Every public image, image because yeah. he d- he doesn't mind being the outsider in those terms. Yes, yes. Yeah. He's he's embodied the American dream. I think there's also there's also a joke. I think at some point about bricks or bricklaying. Some some comment about bricks. I have
1: my mm, notes are a bit I don't know.
0: When they first meet Benedict and they go to his house, there's some comment about bricks or something. I thought, that might be another in-joke, because Schwarzenegger made his first, uh, not fortune, but his first sort of business success was by starting his own bricklaying company. OK. Yeah, probably. Which I've... he ran whilst also studying at university. <laughs> <laughs> because... He, he's a ridiculous go-getter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, 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 want, I want to do this. So then he did. Yes. <laughs> I've thought, <laughs> thought about reading his autobiography. I thought that's just going to depress me. I because just—he yeah.
1: just decides to do things and then did them. I, yeah. I can't do that. No, I, <laughs> I would just—if I I, I, I I would just end up descending into a sort of swirl of self-loathing. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> that's,
0: I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a bricklayer. No go to university without having to have a full time job at the same time mm. um, so the ripper is going to the, the uh, movie premiere and someone compliments oh Tom Noonan arriving in character oh great and then he's interviewed on the news Yes, and I think there's a, a little sort of uh, where he doesn't really know what to do I like that
1: yes um, there's a moment of because and then Tom Noonan without makeup turns yeah. up as well and
0: he's he's. he's like, a slightly odd looking fellow, yes, yeah. but he's sort of, I remember he's quite some sort of charming, goes, oh, just chatting with the, the reporters. Oh, yeah. But the plan is that they're going to kill Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, and there's a, there's a fight. Mm. Jack Slater gets to there. there, and Slater confronts sure. his, yeah, his real world self and hates him mm. because of all the pain that he's been put through,
1: yeah. And that's and it's
0: psychologically, that's quite an interesting moment, of, yeah. Schwarzenegger playing another character, shouting at himself. Yes, and it's almost think This is clearly some unexpressed self-loathing going on here. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's an odd little moment. Um, it's not in. I mean, obviously, none of this real-world stuff is in the original script. No. So.
1: And I, 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 do think that I think that we're, This is why. This is why I'm never going to be a millionaire Hollywood producer. If it had been down to me, yeah, great film, women. Well, there, was, there, was, <laughs> there that as well. Um, film one is kid goes into the movie. Film two is movie star comes into the real world. But of course, that then relies on film one being a financial success. And oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. They're
0: literally two separate films. Two, I would, yeah, right. Some,
1: that would, and, and so that's um, that's, I was going somewhere with that. And I, no,
0: I see what you mean, but. Um... I think it does make more sense to have that as, as one
1: I complete story. Yeah, I just I understand exactly... And I think this is, goes back to what I was complaining about, where the film just seems too long and too focused on John Slater For is if you'd been able to whittle down that bit a, a, a little bit more, it might have given more focus to the real-world stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you might have been able to... But then if you're playing around with things like the public image of Giovanni Schwarzenegger, you're, you are relying on his goodwill... As a celebrity, and it would—I have no idea what the limits of you know how far he's prepared to go with making fun of himself, or or whether it has to be within strictly defined limits. Or... Well,
0: there are a lot of gags about his physique and mm. twins. Uh, yeah. Um, apparently, all ad-libbed by Danny DeVito. Um, so they say, "You you wait here. Whatever you do, don't yodel." Yeah. <laughs> and they so, say, "Oh, you know, don't 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 eat anymore It looks like you're going to explode as it is." But yeah, I so mean, there is, there is, there is room for that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, th- those are kind of like superficial, yeah, back and forth. Here, though, it's that scene where he's sort of like, shouting into a mirror. Yes, oh, yeah, that's weird.
1: It's odd. Um, yeah, and it's
0: interesting. That, it's also stepping back at this point, of saying, "This is a
1: big blockbuster movie, and they thought this scene was a good idea." Yeah. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's a whole. So there's the, there's the, the, that's a whole separate issue, isn't it? There's there's several points when it's a surprise that you're watching scenes, as you say, in a, what was intended to be a big summer franchise movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, that's something I was going to go into more towards the end is they thought this movie was going to be a huge commercial smash. Mm. No,
1: right.
0: no. No. No.
1: No clearly this was never going
0: to be a huge commercial smash.
1: It's too weird. I think that's it, isn't it? It is just that thing that the people that want to go and see Well the people that want to go and see The
0: people who want to go and see a big action movie are not going to walk out of this. And feel confused and angry, and
1: they're also going to feel like they've been made fun of because yeah. they're going to feel that somebody is that so they've sat through a film that basically goes, "You like this kind of stuff, but look how stupid it is." And so it's going to yes, it's going to it's going to alienate the action movie fans, but it's not funny enough to be a <laughs> to be like a yeah
0: um, more of a kind of a a, a, a think. and also if it had been. Well, like a tight, but lower tight budget, in the movie. Mm. you could have sold it as an art house picture, yeah. a bit like JCVD, the Jean-Claude yes, Van Damme, where yeah. he plays himself getting caught up in a hostage situation, and everyone thinks, "Oh, he'll save us." No, he's like a fifty-five-year-old action guy who has to yeah. take painkillers all the time because of all the injuries he's had throughout his career. And there's a scene where he has a monologue to camera about how he realizes that, for all his success, he is a failure as a human mm. being. I thought, this
1: is brave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in terms of surprising things that you can get actors to say about themselves. And of course, he ter- again, he turns up in Last Action Hero, doesn't he? He's there oh, he's at the a, film player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Jean-Claude Van Damme is weirdly self-aware. Yes. It's like all that cocaine he did in the 90s finally unlocked his brain. <laughs> well, yeah. I, watched, um, I watched Street Fighter recently. That movie's got on the list. Street Fighter... Is like Flash Gordon 2.
1: Really? Yeah. you have going to say you've piqued my interest it's now. Great. I. I okay. Oh, um, but I've...
0: apparently, he was just off his face on cocaine all the way through that movie. And oh. also sleeping with Carly Minogue. <laughs> it's it's like it's like a genie granted uh, him wishes. Yes. <laughs> apparently, yes. But there is a there's a final confrontation at the the premiere. Mm. There's a fight with the Ripper who goes off the roof. With Danny now taking the place of Slater's son, son, but he manages to rescue Danny at the last minute. And um, Jack is mortally wounded. Death comes to see him. But it turns out, oh no, he's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Death just wanted to see someone who wasn't on his list. Yeah. And they've lost the other half of the ticket, so they can't get back into the movie. He says, well, there was another half to that ticket. So they, they dig out and they manage to get Jack back into the movie where all his all his mortal wounds are actually just flesh wounds at this time, yes. because he's here of you know, the movie, so he can't die. No, exactly. It ends with um, oh yeah, Jack. Jack seems to welcome the prospect of death.
1: Yes. Um, that I I suppose you could argue it's a new a new experience for him. Yeah,
0: the idea of actually being of a real yeah. danger and of being free from his. Horrible, uh, yeah. you know, trapped box, emotionless existence. Yeah. And he, when he goes back into the movie, his boss is yelling at him, and he just says, "Just stop it." And manages to sort of silence him by saying, "You know, you just need to calm down, okay? Mm. Yeah, I know. I I make mistakes. I mess things up, but screaming at me isn't going to make it any better." and uh, it ends with him driving back over the little hill waving yes, to Danny waving uh, the and, uh, camera to mirror um yeah it's a nice and sweet ending I think um see the note I've written is Christopher Nolan on laughing gas <laughs> I don't know but that's an image I'd quite like to see I want to see Christopher Nolan do a comedy because he keep, it, it, uh, I, think, yeah. I think it was either you or, <laughs> it was either you or somebody else yeah it was one of the humans yes yeah um I was, I was talking to him about this and said you know, after he's done all these epics he should try and do something small something relatively low budget but something like a, like a Woody Allen type character comedy like 20 million dollars mm. some of his huge star actor pals do something like small and tight if it's a financial disaster that's fine because it was really cheap Yeah. but enough people would turn up just out of curiosity to, yeah, for, yeah. to make some money so he said oh, I tried my hand at it didn't work but worth a go So that's what I think Christopher Nolan should do next. But apparently, he's doing. um, He keeps saying he's going to do a film version of The Prisoner, which is obviously a perfect choice for I think. But whether or not that would work as a movie
1: is another. Yeah, there's there's the whole separate. Yes, I mean if 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 anybody's going to do a film version of The Prisoner, welcome on board, Christopher Nolan, and
0: make it work. I would. I mean, I trusted. Yes, (laughs) I wouldn't want. This is something for later discussion, but i trusted Danny Villeneuve with Blade Runner 2049, yeah. and look how that
1: turned out. <laughs> but there were definitely, but you know, I, I wouldn't, to pick a name at random, I wouldn't want to see Mel Gibson's the prisoner. He uh, was going to be in the prisoner. No.
0: Was, yeah, when, I think in the 90s when they were talking about doing it, he was oh, good in girl. the frame for a uh, plane number six. Not directing. Oh, thank <laughs> you. He's a, in, in all fairness, Mel Gibson is, a, is actually a very talented filmmaker. Yeah, He's I a, suppose this is true. As a human being, yeah, he yeah. is a revolting shit. But uh, Hacksaw Ridge is a well made film.
1: I know, this is. Uh, every, everybody keeps saying that you, know, you must separate the art from the artist, but sometimes I just can't be bothered to make the effort. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you know, the, the asset test is Roman Polanski, of course, well, yeah, yeah, who is a self confessed rapist. Um, but i have still paid to see his films.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I, well, I still, I can't. I can't honestly defend that other than saying he's a talented filmmaker and I want to see his films and the yeah. fact that he's a rapist. Doesn't sufficiently dissuade me. Yeah. It's t- that says a lot more about me than it does about anything else, and I'm sorry. Well wow. so, yeah, that's, that's killed the mood, isn't it? Yeah. We've got to um, do it, if, if people want to give me free tickets, then that's fine, because it means I'm not giving them any money. But um, what's that new film he's done? Oh. I'm sure he's done another new film. Yeah, I'm probably
1: going to go and see that. But I kind of, you know, for all the weird revelations about Woody Allen and his personal life, I've got a real weakness for his early funny films. Uh, yeah. And, and that's... Uh, I don't quite know how he got off on this tangent now. Um, but... Uh, uh, the Prisoner. Yes, of course, yeah. Me, Remind a me prison. never to mention Mel Gibson again.
0: <laughs> um, we may have to. He's got a new film coming out in which he hilariously plays Mark Wahlberg's father.
1: Okay.
0: Daddy's, Daddy's Home 2, with the hilarious conflict between Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. And in the, new, in the sequel, their fathers are in it. And Walt Warburg's father is Mel Gibson. And Will Ferrell's father is John Lithgow. Okay. And you can see that working. Mm. I don't want Mel Gibson to be in that movie. No. I don't want Mel Gibson to be in fun family comedies. No.
1: No, definitely not.
0: You could Kurt Russell, perfect. Yeah, he actually, Kurt. You want a tough man's man type. Kurt Russell, yeah. talented comic actor, very convincing, tough guy. Perfect. Mm. I want to see Kurt Russell and John Lithgow get into a fight.
1: Who doesn't? That would be hilarious.
0: Another movie that sprung to mind um, regarding this whole situation was a very recent film, which every time I see the title written down, I have to pronounce it like George Formby. Mother! Oh, right. Because that was sold and publicised as a straight horror movie. Uh, something involving home invasion. But right, yes. Yeah, um, very vague in the publicity and deliberately so. What the movie is actually about is it's an allegory for the Bible, the relationship between God, man and nature. The Gaia Hypothesis. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's a Darren Aronofsky film. And if you know anything about his work you know that's going to be a hard sell. Yes. So the fact that it was promoted as a straightforward horror movie it got a big, wide release in the US... And then uh, the cinema score system, which it just surveys people who went to see the movie on Friday night and what they thought of it, it's one of less than a dozen movies that got a straight F wow. because the movie was totally missold. Yeah. It's sold to a horror movie. It's actually a very weird, complex, very nasty, dark art house film. And it goes, there are horror elements, and it goes so far beyond anything that's acceptable in mainstream horror. Never without good reason, though. Mm. Um, they eat a baby.
1: Who hasn't?
0: You get to see the dismembered carcass of a baby. Okay. And it makes sense in context, and it's justified. But people don't like that. They want, you know, yeah. the conjuring. No, they, they like don't. creepy ghost girls and a few jump scares. Yes,
1: I was going to say it was a safe roller coaster horror film. Exactly, yes. and this is
0: not a safe roller coaster horror movie. That's why I liked it because, it's, <laughs> hey. Hey, you want to see a horror movie? Well, guess what? We're locking the doors. <laughs> and I think Last Action has the same problem, that it's sold as one thing, and it's yeah. actually something much weirder. Not dark. No. What, there, well, there is some darkness to it, but um, it's, it's just not a film for the people who they think it's aimed at. It's not a film for action movie fans. I don't really like action movies. I don't like the a weapon.
1: No, nice. I've like, seen a I couple of them I don't like
0: no, Commando and all this, the mm. 80s ones I don't find them interesting um, and this that's actually doing something different and original I find much more engaging because it's thinking okay let's, let's do something let's take this and let's go in another direction mm. what can we do that's different what can we do that's fresh even the original script weirdly nonsensical though it is mm. it's really trying to do something totally different and original and I can imagine why it would have grabbed so many people's oh, yeah, attention yeah. when it was circulating around Hollywood, because it's, it starts off as being like a, it was like a Disney fantasy. You can imagine, like, in this, oh. like a Disney film in the early 70s, yeah. a kid gets sucked into a Steve McQueen movie. Yeah, fantastic. That would, that would be great. But then it turns into this very weird, dark, humorless story about violence. Mm. And the villain in the movie, who's like the drug kingpin of America, turns out to be the projectionist.
1: Oh, okay. And it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> thought, yeah, we need to change that third act. How about he just arrives in the real world?
1: Yes, well, because
0: it... that's the much more. That's the obvious direction yeah, yeah. For the story no, to absolutely. Go. And, uh, No, absolutely. And no, no, let's make it really weird. <laughs> if you've read this far, you're not going to give up now, are yes. you? Now, when, when Last Action Hero was released, it came out the week after Jurassic Park, um... <laughs> because Jurassic Park. Was not expected to be a giant hit.
1: Really, by
0: by who? By uh, presumably Columbia. Well, that's true. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it, it had been four years since Steven Spielberg had had a hit, it, and I suppose so. I mean, really, name Spielberg's eighties films that aren't Indiana Jones pictures
1: or mm-hmm. ET. True. Uh, I'm struggling now to think what his next film after E.T. was, does it? It was... In, well, I was...
0: In yeah. Too. Um, it was... Um,
1: he, he won an Oscar for The Colour Purple No, he didn't. Didn't he?
0: The Colour Purple set a record for the most Oscar nominations for a film without winning any. Oh, right. Okay. And I don't think he was nominated for Best Director. Oh,
1: right. It was
0: Colour Purple, Empire of the Sun... Oh, yes. And then Always, based on the popular sanitary product, <laughs> it was a remake of A Guy Named Joe. Yeah. With... um. Richard Dreyfus, Holly Hunter, John mm. Goodman, and Audrey Hepburn in her last film. Okay, she plays an angel, just like real life. Well, um, yes. Then uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, mm. Hook.
1: Ooh, yes.
0: Which even Spielberg says he doesn't think it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was really it was a comeback
1: for Steven Spielberg. I suppose it was. It's uh, it's it's odd because I very clearly remember that period around 93, and there was never an expectation that Jurassic Park was going to do anything except be a massive success. Um, But they they very, very carefully managed, certainly in the UK, obviously I can't speak for for, for the US, but in the UK, the publicity for it was very carefully handled, so you didn't see much in the way of dinosaurs. I remember a magazine coming out a week before the film was due to come out, and it was the first time that I'd had a chance to see these dinosaurs that everyone had kept going on about, and they looked phenomenal. And it just added to the growing excitement. So it's, it's kind of funny to look back at it and consider that, yeah, it was his, I suppose it was his comeback film.
0: Mm. Apparently, um, when Last Action Heroic Night in the UK, it opened at number three, behind Jurassic Park and Dennis the Menace.
1: Mm.
0: Not even the British Dennis the Menace. No, I know, the other... The, you, the other one, the blonde one. Yes. The Aryan
1: one. <laughs> um,
0: that's the... um, What did John McTiernan say here?
1: I did it, I did that. Why it's happening <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, well that, they at me.
0: Well, they did have a very short post-production period, apparently. So maybe if they'd had more time in the editing room... Yeah, possibly. They could have tightened it up. Um, but... You're not not going to be able to change the premise of the movie. Um, Yeah. Or by
1: that point, the tone tone is pretty much locked in as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, One plan to advertise it was to put uh, a commercial on a NASA mission, which then wound up being delayed, so it went into space months after the film was already released. Uh, Brilliant. Because that was a great idea.
1: How do you put a commercial on a, on a NASA mission? You screen print
0: it on the side of the screen. Oh spaceship I see. or I don't know. Um, yeah. Apparently they wound up not doing it. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, there was a uh, test screening which went so badly that the uh, response cards were destroyed. Wow. <laughs> um, By the audience? Or just in fear afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> and um, the week after the movie came out, Sleepless in Seattle was released. Which yeah. obviously appeals to a totally different part yeah. of the audience. But that was a giant hit.
1: Yeah, it's a one-two punch, isn't it? Yeah. You've got Jurassic Park taking away the people like me that just want to look at dinosaurs eating people. Well,
0: it's Jurassic Park, is, I watched it again last year, It's still flawless.
1: Hi. It's brilliant, it's, yeah. It's,
0: what, 24 years old? The effects still look totally photoreal. Mm. It's incredible.
1: In the In the run-up to Jurassic World coming out, ITV... Two, let's say, showed. I, I was flicking through the channels one evening, I caught it and there's Bob Peck doing Muldoon, and it's like, <laughs> oh, I'll just watch that. And, and I, I I find the film goes a bit off the boil once Muldoon's dead. So I, I'll oh, just
0: once the world's greatest living actor is killed off. Well, yes,
1: yeah. And so it's like I'll just watch Bob Peck die, and then uh, and then I'll turn it off. So I watched that sequence. Two days later, flipping through the channels, Jurassic Park's on <laughs> again. So I'll just watch Bob Peck again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, it, and it's a sad thing that all the sequels are not very good because well, they haven't thought of anything else to do with the concept.
1: No, this is true.
0: Um, so, yeah, you know, all these sort of various factors and Arnold Schwarzenegger being paid a huge amount of money—paid fifteen million dollars, budget mm. of um, eighty-five million, global gross one hundred and thirty-seven.
1: Yeah, so that's not a success, is it?
0: No, it's that's uh, that's a big failure. So, overall, I think it's a very interesting, weird, ambitious, entertaining attempt at doing something unusual. But just the concept of it, of a big-budget satire that's poking fun at its own genre, it was always doomed. It was never going to be a hit because it was always going to alienate the people who would have flocked Mm. to something big like that. If it had been, like I say, like a smaller like like a straight to video scale production. Yes. Or, or like or or if it had
1: But when did the Naked Gun films Because uh, the Naked that, Gun they films they were already coming out. We were all around this time anyway. Mm-hmm. Well so they'd kind of already done this as well. That kind of self aware power day. Yes.
0: Yeah. But those are really those are much more comedic and yes. with Last Action here you can go into the more serious side.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's true. You would never get Frank Drebben angsting about... Yeah. No,
0: because that would undermine the, undermine the whole point of, of Naked Gun, that everything is stupid. Yeah. There's a very fine line between clever and stupid. Um, but if, if it had been, say, like a straight-to-video movie that's now getting cinema release, and mm. the kid goes and sees it, you could have done something that was smaller scale, cheaper, not with a giant star like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And you could have kept it at a budgetary level where you could sell it as an action movie for, for smart people,
1: or yeah,
0: or vice versa, or smart people, or smart movie people, are like action movies, and you could have maybe got a crossover mm. there, but they wound up going in the opposite direction and appealing to nobody. Yes, yeah, but you didn't
1: like it. <laughs> no, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Thanks to Chris
0: for making time for this recording. Cinema Limbo is now on iTunes with over 30 episodes available, so please download, review, and subscribe. PodNose is also on Patreon, so please do pop a little money in the box to help us with our running costs. We're also on Twitter, at cinema underscore limbo, and in person at j underscore j underscore phillips, with two L's. However, until next time, consider this a divorce. Yeah. Just as good as the real one. listening to Cinema Limbo, hosted and produced by Jeremy Phillips, with editing and music by Philip Alderman. Cinema Limbo is part of the Podnose Podcasting Network, so please visit us at www.podnose.com.